welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. For those who don't know me, my name is Sam. I... See, I've been serving eight years now, I think. Woo! Eight Woo! years! Yeah. yeah! Which is very fitting, because the title of my message, the title of my message tonight is Grow Up. And it's also fitting that my mom, my mom is here in the back. Yeah. Uh, so she can, uh, she can attest, or verify if what I say is true. <laughs> or you can fact check me later. Um, but early... I don't know if any of you have ever taken a test or done a presentation on very little sleep. I always wondered, is it diminishing returns? Was it worth it? Do you actually do better by studying more and sleeping less? Or do you do better by studying less and sleeping more? I don't know. But yeah, last, uh, Amy and I, Gabe and Emma, last, early this morning, we flew in from Arizona at 3 a.m. because our flight got delayed, which is one of the joys of life. So I am operating on very little sleep. I'm hoping, you know, this is one of those college moments where you get more studying time and you'll do better. So with God's grace, um, he, he will be with me tonight. And so, yeah, we flew back from the Grand Canyon. And I don't know if any of you have ever been there, um, but it's one of these places where you're just driving. You're driving a long time. It's flat. You're just going. It's flat. There's trees. <clears throat> and then you pull in. You park. And you, you start walking toward the sign, you know, Grand Canyon. And then, but the moment you get and you can see over the edge, all of a sudden you walk up to the railing and you look down and it's almost a mile straight down to the bottom. And that's one of those moments where your breath is taken away. And I don't know if any of you have been there, but it's one of those things that you cannot, it cannot be described. It cannot be um, seen on a picture. The feeling, you have to be there to experience it. And for the experience to be full, you also have to be there with others. I'm sure you guys all understand that. We all want to experience things together. No one wants to experience things by themselves. It's so much richer to experience together. And so I'm going to be talking about some of those concepts tonight in my passage tonight, which is, Continuation of JT's message. My passage tonight is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And if you guys want to flip there, we can, we will stand up and we will read God's words. You got, why don't you guys all rise and we'll read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I'll start a little earlier. 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Father, thank you for this message. This passage feels a bit like the Grand Canyon. It's so big, so wide, it's so deep. God, we cannot fully comprehend it, but we can gaze into it that we might know you, that we might experience you together. And so, God, be with us tonight. In your name I pray. So the title, title of my message tonight, like I said, is Grow Up. And I'm sure there are a lot of you in this room that are facing that question. Or people ask it to you. What are you going to do with your life? You know, freshmen, not so much, but seniors, right? As you progress through high school, you're going to face that question more and more. Are you going to go to college? Are you going to get a job? Are you going to date? Are you going to this? You know, and we're going, to, we face, we're going to face that question a lot. What are you going to do when you grow up? Every day you guys are going to school, you're taking classes, and you're going to probably take the ACT, if you have, probably will or have. You will talk to parents, maybe. You will talk to, maybe you have a guidance counselor at your school or someone else who can give you wisdom on what direction you should go with your life. And people will give you a wide range, you'll get a wide range of advice, right? And if any of you have gotten advice on what to do with your future, some people like to give a lot of it. And so some people will say, and maybe you guys have heard this, you know, you need to go, young man, you need to go for a job that you can make a lot of money. Go for a job that you can make a lot of money. And other people will say, no, you know, you shouldn't go for a job that's going to make you a lot of money. You should go for a job that will bring you fulfillment. You should go for a job that makes you happy, that fulfills you. That's where it's at. And still others will say, no, you shouldn't go for one of those jobs. You just need to follow where your heart leads you. You need to follow what's in front of you. Pursue what interests you in the moment. And so I'm sure many of you have heard statements like this. But the truth is, is that each of these statements is a theological statement. I know that's a big word, but people are giving advice based on what they believe about God, whether they will admit it or not. They are giving you advice over what they believe about God. For example, someone says money, right? They're saying, you know what? I believe that if I had more money, that's, I need more money. If I had money, that's what would give me fulfillment. So they're telling you, you should go get money. Or they're saying, you know what? I wish I had a job that made me happy, that brought me fulfillment. So they're telling you, you should go for a job that will bring you fulfillment. 
And so when people are giving you advice and counsel, it's a theological statement, which is hard, very hard to understand. I did not understand that when I was a high schooler, but those are theological statements. And your leader can, your leader can help you with those. And so we must remember tonight in my message, I'm going to look at what the Apostle Paul, continue to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say in, the, in this book of Ephesians about how we can grow up, not as according to the world's theological statements, but according to God's theological statements. Paul details out in this passage some theological statements that we've been looking at that we can put our roots in. And we've looked at some of these. We can put our roots in and grow and we can experience, like JT was saying, the depths, how wide, how deep his love is. And so just to summarize a little bit, last week JT was talking about, brought up Psalm 68. He was talking about Jesus, the good king who, who comes back to fulfill the law. And he comes back and he brings good gifts for all of his children. Good gifts that you can be built up. And so now getting into, get into this text here, verse 12. My first point is, God gives gifts to his people so that we can each be equipped for the work of ministry. Or we can be equipped for his work in this life. Verse 12 says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Isn't this one of the primary reasons that we're all here, or I hope Many of us are here. It's the primary reasons that we all go to church so that we can grow in the knowledge of the Son of God so that we can reach maturity. And one of my favorite passages is John 17. And if you read it, Jesus is praying to God before the crucifixion. And he's telling his father, basically, like he says, I've done what you sent me to do. He says... I have given the people the words that you gave to me, and they have received all of my words. And not only did they receive them, but they have believed my words. And they have come to believe that you sent me. And that's what this verse is talking about. Paul wants us to pursue the knowledge of the Son of God that we contain to unity of faith. For those of us who have read the New Testament, we know that oftentimes Jesus is uh, called teacher or rabbi. And we know that he went, not only did he go from town to town doing miracles, but more importantly, he went from town to town teaching people about his father. He was so passionate that everyone would know his father. And that's what he did. He came to teach everyone about God so that we would believe, so that we would be saved. So for us to be equipped, we know that we must sit at Jesus' feet. 
we have to sit at his feet. We have to let him teach us so that we can grow up. We know even if we continue this analogy, we know that Jesus says in Matthew 18 that we, you must be like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. We must be like a little child that we have to sit at Jesus' feet to hear and teach us about his father and about who his father is. That's what we're here on Wednesday nights to do. One of the things we're here to do, one of the things we, reasons we go to church is to sit at Jesus' feet and to hear his word. Verse 11 tells us about the men that God gave us to teach us. And we have great men in our church. We have great pastors like JT and John and Alex and Garrett and those of you who are going to South. You have Matt. We have great men to teach us about God. We even have our small group leaders. And hopefully a lot of us have parents like my mom who strove to equip me for God's work. Paul's goal was that we would grow up to mature manhood, that we would be fully equipped in the knowledge of the Son of God. And it goes into my second, the second part of this text that stood out to me was the beginning of verse 13. It says, until we all, you can underline that in your Bible if you feel compelled to. And so we see that this clearly is not an individual thing. It is not something you do on your own. To sit at Jesus' feet is not a solo project. To sit at Jesus' feet is to be done with others, to be done all, all of us in this room. Just as a parent, I know a child, a child cannot grow up in a room alone. You cannot put a child in a room for its whole life and expect it to grow up. It is, it's going to die. It's not going to grow, right? For a child to learn how to eat, for a child to learn how to talk, to walk, they mimic all of those things from their parents, walking, talking, eating, laughing. They learn all those things from their parents or from their siblings or from other people. And so we see right away that this has to be done together. This And this is why God gave us his church, that we can sit together, that we can learn together to talk, to eat, to walk, the basics, that we can learn the basics together. We all need the whole body. We need spiritual mothers and fathers, spiritual brothers and sisters. Some of you are probably really close with those people. And you don't know what you would do without them. Some of you are probably yearning for that. And that's what the church can do. The church can give us those things. It can give us spiritual brothers. Some of you, some of you have found that in your small groups. You found a spiritual sister or a spiritual brother. Or you found a spiritual father in your leader or a spiritual mother in your leader. And that's what Paul wants so that we can grow up. This leads me into my second point. My second point is a warning. He warns us what happens if we are not equipped. This is verse 14. If we are not equipped, 
It says, he equips us so that we may no longer be children. And he gives us the quality of children right here. These are the qualities of children. Children are tossed to and fro by the waves. They're carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Does anybody, I think it's pretty intrinsic. We all know what it looks like when something is tossed to and fro by the wind, right? Have you ever lost an important piece of paper, starts blowing across the parking lot or um, something like that? We've seen, you know, basketball. I, used to, I, lived, I grew up on a lake and basketball was in the water. If the wind was blowing the wrong way, that basketball was gone forever. So we know a few things right off the bat about wind. We know the object will go wherever the wind is blowing, without a doubt. And the object will go up and down to however up and down the waves go. And so the object is clearly controlled by its environment. It's controlled by its surroundings. When the wind is calm, the object is calm. When the wind blows hard, the object goes hard. And I wanted to quick look at this, the story of Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in Mark 4. Mark 4.37 says, A great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind, and there was great calm. And he said, Why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And the disciples were filled with great fear. And they said to each other, Who is this that the wind and the sea obey him. I had a, right before I came here, I had an example of Sierra, my daughter, getting tossed to and fro by the sea. She got up from her nap, and every day when she gets up from her nap, she gets a snack. Well, today's snack was peanut butter crackers. She did not want peanut butter crackers. Sierra wanted applesauce packet, like she had had probably the day before. And so, what happened was what I've referred to as a major meltdown, <laughs> which is 10 to 20 minutes of extremely loud crying and screaming all over what? Applesauce over a cracker, right? Or is it really? Is that really what it's about? Right? It's not what it's really about. It's about she wants her way. She doesn't want to obey mom and dad. She doesn't want the good snack that mom and dad want to give her, right? She is subject to the wind and the waves. She is up and down and blowing because of the wind of the waves of her desires. And so I thought that was so true for me. We see here the disciples were driven by fear. They were, they were, <laughs> they said, don't you care that we're drowning? And he said, why are you so afraid? Jesus asked them why they were so afraid. Just reminded me that our society is a fear 
driven society. We live, many, many people, we all live in fear in some way. The advertisements, right, on TV, the news, it's driven by fear. Fear of war, fear of economic recession. Maybe if you're older, you know a lot about, more about these things. Fear of economic recession, fear of rising interest rates, fear of inflation, fear of a food shortage, right? The fears go on and on and on. But I thought of some other fears that were maybe more applicable to us, those of us trying to grow up. Anyone afraid of the future? Anyone afraid to grow up? Anyone fear, afraid of failure? Afraid of being rejected? Afraid that your friends won't accept you? Or maybe even afraid of your parents? that you won't meet your parents' expectations. That's a huge fear. Or even deeper, if we go even deeper, we can fear, we can be afraid that God does not love us. Or will God really take care of us, take care of me when I need it? Will God really be there for me when I need him? We're often even afraid of God. Fear of God, that God does not love us or care for us. And that's the wind and the waves that sweep over us. The story ends a little ironically. Jesus calms the winds and the waves, and what's the result to the disciples? It's fear, right? Except for this time, it's not a fear of external circumstances, right? It's a fear. It's a vertical fear, a fear of God, a fear of his power, a fear and awe. Of his power. Fear and awe. Hopefully, some of us have that for our parents or for our dad, that we have a healthy fear and awe of his strength and his responsibility. And that's the kind of fear we want to have for God. This is just a, this is Paul's warning to us that for us not to be tossed to and fro, that we need to press into the teaching of our pastors here. We need to press into the teaching and, and love of our small group leaders to be equipped so that our souls may be calmed. Just like, this is what I had to do with Sierra. I had to calm, I had to discipline her I had to calm her soul and I had to re-explain it to her of how much I loved her and how I want the best for her. How I'm going to give her good things that she can trust me that what I give her is the best thing for her. Could you imagine if I let a four-year-old make their own choices? Right? Not a good outcome. And so we need to let, we are four-year-olds. We need to let God's word make our choices. That's how we're going to grow up. All those fears, all those thoughts of our future. So we looked at those two things. We looked at being equipped. And now we just looked at being tossed to and fro by the wind. Verse 14, 
Now we're going to keep moving to my third point. It says, verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, instead of being thrown around by the wind, we are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. What makes a family a home? Right? We're talking about children. What makes a family a home? Paul is talking about the whole body being joined together and held together and every part working properly. So what makes a family a home? Does it take the parents to do is it 100% up to the parents to do everything to make the family a home? Is there a responsibility for you and for you, for you guys to make your house a home? Paul is saying here that to make your house a home, it takes everyone working together in love so that your house is built up and working together properly. This means several things. It means no one part of the body can outgrow another part of the body, right? A tiny little body cannot support a gigantic head or a tiny some of us have seen this before at the gym. A huge upper body cannot be supported by two tiny little legs. <laughs> so the body cannot outgrow itself. It is only, right, we've heard this, this is a very common sports analogy. It's only as strong as its weakest link, Right? Your body is only as strong as its weakest link. So that's why we must work all together to build each one up. I also thought of just one of my favorite things, which is having a big family dinner. Does anybody like big family dinners? Lots of food, right? A big family dinner. I thought JT read Psalm 23, which reminded me of it too. Just God setting a feast, how God sets a feast before us. So a big family dinner, right? To have a big family dinner takes everyone. It takes everyone's help in the family, right? You need someone. Someone's got to go to the grocery store. Someone's got to buy all the food. Someone's got to prepare all the food and cook it, right? Someone's got to set the table settings, set up everything on the table, and then there's got to be someone to eat. It's very important, right? You have to have someone to eat all the food, okay? Right, a lot, of, a lot of people resonate with that one. But then after you eat it, what comes, right? Cleaning, right. Someone's got to clean it up. Someone's got to wash the dishes. Someone's got to put the leftovers away. Someone's got to take out the trash, right? 
you have to have all of those things to have a big family dinner, right? Would it be, would it be uh, loving to have a sink overflowing with dirty dishes? Or would it be a, uh, would, the, would, would the house be a home with a big sink overflowing with dirty dishes? Or with a trash can overflowing? How many times have we seen this? A trash can overflowing with trash everywhere on the ground, right? Is that, is that making a house a home? No, it's not. We, or this is something that I've fallen into too many times. Taking a nap after the meal while everyone else is working. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it happens a lot. But does that, that does not make a house a home. That is not building up the family. Every single person is needed to have a family dinner. Every single person is needed to make the house a home. Every single person is needed to make the church into one body. I think talking about this being equipped and not being thrown by the wind and growing in the knowledge of God, it can maybe be a little overwhelming for some of us. And we can say, those are all great concepts, but where do we start? Just thinking of this, thinking of my own self, where can I start? And I think there's a very easy, simple starting point for all of us. Do you think we could take out the trash? Do you think, you know, we could clean up our rooms, we could take out the trash, we could do the dishes, right? I mean, those are all very tangible things we could do. Do you think your family would be built up in unity and love by that? I know mine, I know mine is. Um, so I think there's, we can all challenge each other to start in little places. I think there's, Thinking, when I was praying about this message, I was like, man, there are so many opportunities. There really are so many opportunities to love each other that we're not noticing because we're focused on the next thing, focused on our mission, right? I got to study. I got to do this. I got to go here. I got to go to here. And so we're so focused on our own mission. We're not seeing the needs. So I was just so convicted myself of needing to slow down and needing to look around, look around at the needs around me, not only in my own home, but in my small group here, in the youth group here, and just starting with really small little things, serving others, and doing it out of love for God, out of God, out of Jesus, calming the wind and the, the, wind and the waves in our own life can give us the power to do that. In uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is the famous chapter about love that Paul wrote. And uh, Paul goes on to tell us that we can check all the boxes, right? We can get all the A's. We can get the perfect scores, right? We can meet all the expectations. And Paul goes on to list them all. He says... uh, you can do all the things your church is supposed to do. You can have faith. You can have knowledge. You can have spiritual, 
spiritual powers. You can even give your body to be burned for the gospel. And then he's, which is pretty extreme, right? He takes it to the full extreme. You can even give your body to be burned by the gospel. But then he says, if you do not have love, right, you gain nothing. Maybe some of you live in a home that you feel is pretty absent of love. Maybe some of you live in a home that has lots of love. I don't think any of us want to be in a home, in a house, or that is absent of love. And I think here, we want this place to be full of love. We don't want this place to be absent of love. When I think of a place absent of love, I think that's probably how... In some ways, hell will be like a place completely empty of love. Empty of God's love. Sobering to think about something like that. So that that reminded myself that I need to understand, I need to seek to know how deep my sin goes. So if I can continue to understand how absent of love I am, I can know how much love God has for me. And if, I, if you guys can know how much love God has for you, you will be just giving it and dispensing it to others, to your friends, right? To your parents, to your brothers and sisters. And that is how That is how we will get the body to work all together in unison. All of us working together in love. And I love the fact that everyone, every one of you is needed. Why? Because we've all heard this quote. or Maybe some of you heard this quote. That everyone needs love. It's one of the basic things in the universe. Everyone needs love, but people don't often say everyone needs God's love because that's really the true statement. Everyone needs God's love. And everyone needs you because each one of you is going places where there is no love. Each one of you is in places where there is a lack of love, right? Whether it's school, work, family, um, friends, I know for a fact, each of you is going to places that are void, that are without God's love. That's why the body needs every part, every single person, because we need to bring God's love to all the places. I think that's what, you know, a lot of you going to Redeemer South, that's what Redeemer South is striving to do. We want to plant Redeemer South because we want to bring God's love to people in Rockford that don't have it. We know there's people in the South that are not going to come to this church building, right? And so we want to bring a church to them. We want Redeemer South to be a light to people that we can never reach. And it's the same for each of us in this room. You guys can all be a light of love to people that the rest of us can never reach. To do this, we always have to be reminding ourselves, and this is my conclusion. We always have to remind ourselves what our fuel is, 
what our food is. And that's what we have to remember God who had that perfect plan that JT was preaching on, that Garrett was preaching on. The Trinity, the perfect love and unity of the Trinity. Jesus submitting to God his Father to go to the cross to die for our sins out of love for us to ascend, to go up to heaven that God would send his spirit in here that each one of you can be full of God's spirit. Each one of you can have God's Holy Spirit. And we know, right, this is, a, this is some doctrine that's very, that can be hard to understand. But we know that we can all have the full Trinity. We can have the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Each one of us working in our families, working in our homes, working in our lives. And we can make decisions based on these truths. And we know that Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, right, we know that he experienced, he took all those wind and waves of all of our sin on him, right, so that we could have calm. And when Jesus came to equip all of us, we know that he took, right, he cleaned our rooms, right? He took all those dirty rags, all those dirty clothes, right, all those torn clothes that you only wear as a last resort or those clothes that you, right, that you only wear if there's nothing else that's clean, right? God took all those things away. The overflowing trash can with ketchup spilled on the floor, right? God took all the trash. He took all the dirty clothes, right? He took all the leftover scraps that fell on the floor. God took it all. He took all of our sin. He calmed the waves. <laughs> he took, but instead, what was JT talking about? He's talking about the king coming, Right? Instead, he gave us royal clothes. Right? He gave us royal vestments. Right? He took all that trash. He gives us royal robes. Psalm 23, right? he sets a feast before his children. Right? We are heirs with him. He gives us new clothes. He sets a feast before us. The scriptures talk about how he renews our bodies every day through his spirit. He can do that. His death on the cross can take away those selfish desires and turn them into love. Not to build ourselves up, but to build up our church, to build up the body of Christ. And so just to conclude, I just want each of you guys to think think about is what are you letting equip you? What are the statements that you're making, what are the theological statements that you're making life decisions on? Can you imagine if we spent as much time equipping ourselves spiritually as if we spent ourselves, equipping ourselves for a career or for our future? We spent as much time equipping ourselves for our spiritual future? So I would encourage each one of you to take one step of loving others this week out of remembrance of Jesus' love for you. And that if you get weary, I want you to be able to look back on this text. Look back on the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is super short. You can read the first four chapters in 10 minutes. Look back at all these truths we've learned. Truths like God chose each of you before the world began. 
And he chose you to be saved by grace and not by works, right? But he also prepared works for you to do. He wants to equip you to do those works. Those are some of the things that we can read and be re-encouraged of all the time. So that's my hope as we close for each of you. Um, that you can pursue God's equipping force. That you would not be ruled by the wind and waves of the world. But that we could all be, and I'll just read this last section again because it's so good. That the, oh, this whole body would be joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is working properly, that this whole body would grow and build up in love. Heavenly Father, we fall so short of your standards, but God, even I, I fall so short as a son, I fall so short as a father with my children, but God, you came and died on the cross to give us new robes and to set a feast before us, God, that we can go out into this world and be rays of love um, to the people in this world, to our own families, to our own siblings, God, to our friends, God, that the body could be built up in unity and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.